0: So may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. I invite you to open up your Bibles or your service booklets this morning to our gospel reading, John chapter one, beginning with verse forty three to fifty one. Imagine floating in the middle of the ocean on a dark night and it's pitch black. You see nothing. You're on schedule to pull into port, but you see not a single thing until suddenly you see a glimmering light in the distance. And with every minute, that light becomes bigger and brighter and more illuminating. While this illustration may be lacking in describing the manifestation of Christ It gives us a sense of what is happening in our passage this morning. We're seeing who Christ is, and this is the season of Epiphany and where we focus on the very manifestation of Christ. You see, it's all about seeing and savoring Jesus Christ. When we see this immediately in the Gospel of John, through the many titles of Christ in the first chapter, Here we see not only the manifestation of Christ, but also we see something else. And what is it? It is our difficulty of grasping his glorious identity. You see, in this chapter, John chapter one, we see the many titles of Christ. We see seven exactly the word, the Lamb of God, the Son of God, Rabbi, Messiah, King of Israel and Son of Man. You see, despite the difficulty in grasping Christ's identity, he succeeds in showing us his preeminence. He succeeds in showing his preeminence to his disciples. He shows how he finds and calls and causes. He shows how he defines, inspires and predicts. He directly calls Philip and calls him to be instrumental In Nathanael's conversion. And he provides this remarkable claim to Nathanael, doesn't he? In essence, he says to Nathanael in verse 51 that he will see with his own eyes the glory of the Son of Man that Jacob only dreamed. He gives us an image, that image of Jacob's ladder. And he says, you will see this with your own eyes. So what is this passage all about? Is Christ calling his disciples or is he doing something far greater and far more glorious? Is he revealing himself? You see, we see the answer to this question at the very start of this passage, and it's confirmed throughout the entirety of this passage. Christ is revealing his preeminence. We read in verse 43 that the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, we may easily brush over this verse and think that it's simply setting the scene. But notice the important language that is used. Notice the preeminence of Christ's identity. Notice that he is sovereign, successful, And savior, it is Jesus who decided it is Jesus who found it is Jesus who said, follow me. We would do well to remember these details as we continue to read on for Christ shows vividly that he is the one who is ultimately working and his disciples are those who are graciously partaking. Just as we heard last week. That when we are baptized, we are baptized into Christ. It is him who is ultimately doing the work, not us. So then do we hear this week that it is Christ who reveals his preeminence and predestined glory to those who are his. Now notice how Philip ironically seems to leave Jesus behind in verse 45. He seems to go and find Nathanael. There's no indication that he goes because he rejects Jesus as the Messiah, but because he's partaking in Christ as the Messiah. That is why he goes. He goes because Christ's hidden hand causes him to find Nathanael and to invite him to come and see the goodness of God. Ironic, isn't it? And notice how the irony continues throughout this passage. See how the theme of being found emerges? Jesus found Philip. Philip found Nathanael. And Philip goes on to say that we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote. So who has found who? Who? The evangelist is lacing in this text. Irony, isn't he? He is using this literary device to ensure that Christ's glorious preeminence and good predestination is grasped. Beloved, the identity of Christ is being revealed. He is before all things and he holds all things together. Know that there is nothing more base. There is nothing more repulsive to the flesh, into the world, into the devil, than the fact that Christ finds His disciples. Oh, that we would cherish that we were once lost, but now are found. Happy will we be if only we would meditate on God's supreme and satisfying, amazing grace. Now look with me at verses 45 and verse 46 and see Philip's invitation. See how he offers an invitation, not indignation. Though his knowledge of Christ may have been small, his invitation is unequivocally pure. Philip may not have grasped the theological riches of Christ's sovereign election After all, he says, we have found Christ. They had not found Christ. Christ had found them. This is the theological truth of this passage. Just as God had called Samuel through the dream, God had called his disciples through his son in the flesh. But despite his limited understanding, Philip purely points to Moses and the prophets and shows that this is the one who fulfills the law. I'm sure Philip knew that Nathanael was a student of the law. But more than that, Philip knew Christ. Christ had found him. His knowledge of him may be small, but it is most certainly true. He points to Jesus as the Messiah, yes. But he also lacks in providing an accurate messianic description, doesn't he? He doesn't call him Jesus, born of Bethlehem and the son of David. But Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. His knowledge of Jesus may have been small, but it was most certainly true. And perhaps this is why Nathanael asks him this question, saying, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Perhaps Nathanael was a sort of biblical scholar. He knew that Christ was to be found in Bethlehem. But despite Philip's weakness, despite his limitations, he succeeds in introducing Nathanael to the Christ. Why? Why does he succeed because Philip had been found by Christ. He had been called by Christ. He had been caused by Christ to introduce Nathanael to Christ. This is the glory of the preeminence of Christ. Philip had the single most important ingredient he had Christ's revelation. Notice how he responds to Nathanael's informed question regarding his claim in finding Christ. Nathanael says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip is not offended. He's not made indignant. There's no sign of offense here. No, he offers a simple invitation, doesn't he? If he had scolded Nathanael for not believing him he would have certainly injured or prolonged his conversion. Had he tried to reason with him, he would have likely either failed to convince him or fostered in him doubt. But instead, he provides that simple yet model of an invitation, doesn't he? He says, come and see. He tells him all, just as Samuel had told Eli Everything. How simple yet fruitful are these words for every true believer. Let us be sure not to be offended, but quick to invite others to come and to see the good news of Christ. You may be like Philip at this present moment and find that you are not equipped to articulate or even to defend the profound meaning of Christ's arrival. Take heart, child of God. If Christ has found you, then be assured that you are equipped to make him known to others. All you need to say is come and see who this Christ is. And you will tell them everything that has been told to you. For Philip had not the words, but he had the spirit. And it is the Spirit who converts souls to salvation. And so I ask, have we the Spirit of Christ? Do we see and savor His glory? Are our hearts burning within us with a love for Him? Let us never rest until we see Him in all His glory. Yes, may we be like Philip. May we be filled with joy of Christ's arrival. Though we may have little insight, let us have a lot of the Holy Spirit. And if we have the Spirit of Christ, then let us offer invitation, not indignation. Let us not seek to rationalize or defend or debate, but let us simply say, Come and see, come and see the goodness of Christ. Now look with me at how Christ esteems Nathanael, how he defines and claims Nathanael. The first words uttered from the mouth of Christ to Nathanael is this glorious description. He calls him an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Christ reveals to Nathanael that he knows him and makes himself known to him. Christ knows that Nathanael is a student of the Scriptures. And this is why he's not deceived. Because the Scriptures, God's Word, is protecting Nathanael. It's keeping him focused on the mark. This is why Nathanael responds to Philip by saying, Can anything come out of Nazareth? Christ knows that Nathanael is not a fool, but committed to truth. Christ knows that Nathanael is simple, yet sincere in his desire to be guided and taught and led by the spirit of truth. Oh, that we would have such humility as Nathanael. It was not Nathanael's knowledge that led him to meet Christ. Do not think this. No, it was Christ's spirit witnessed through Nathanael's humility that led him to Christ. Nathanael gives witness to the words of the psalmist who says, the Lord leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble in his way. Christ commends Nathanael because he knows him. He is his. He is his elect. He has found him. He has predestined him. This is a doctrine that is full and sweet and pleasant and unspeakable comfort to godly people. Why else would Christ say before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree? I saw you. Christ has predestined him. Christ is revealing his blessed identity, which Paul would later declare to the Colossian church that he is the image of the invisible God. He is not man. And Paul would later to say he is before all things and he holds all things together. As one scholar describes, Nathaniel is a true son of Abraham, a Jew inwardly possessing circumcision in the spirit as well as in the letter. An Israelite in heart as well as son of Jacob in the flesh. And he will see the glory That only Jacob ever dreamed. Yes, he will see heaven opened, as Jesus says, and angels of God descending and ascending on the Son of Man. Christ's calling of his disciples, particularly Philip and Nathanael, is Christ revealing his glory. So have we heard the call of Christ Are our hearts made glad for him? Are we filled with wonder and excitement because of who he is? If so, then may we respond like Philip and Nathanael. May we respond with invitation, not indignation. May we show the character and confession of Nathanael. May we be happy to say, Rabbi, You are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. We are students of His Word. May we respond like Nathanael. If we ever wish to show such character and to shout such confession, then let us ever have His Word in our minds and in our hearts. Like Nathaniel, may we be those for whom Christ says, You are not deceived. Like him, may we be those for whom Christ says, You will see greater things than these. We see through the glass dimly, but will one day see most vividly. Do we see in Savior Jesus Christ? May he open the eyes of our hearts with a love for Him, now and forever. Let us pray. O God, the light of the minds that know You, the life of the souls that love You, and the strength of the wills that serve You, Help us so to know you that we may truly love you. And so to love you that we may fully serve you. Who to serve is perfect freedom. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.